You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jan. Hey everyone, this is Michael Jammon. Welcome back to Screenwriters Need to Hear This, the podcast where we have screenwriters talking about things we need to hear. And I'm back with Philadelphia Phil Hudson. Phil, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. It's been, uh, good to be been back. Many weeks of not being here. Um, yeah. There's sorry, been a lot guys. going on. A lot going on. I had a, I had a baby. A, a brand baby. new baby, too. I personally, my wife did nothing. I did it all. No, my yep. wonderful wife, um, we brought a baby boy into the world and we're super happy. And so we've been, he sleeps, which is great. And um, yeah, dealing with a toddler now. So the two-year-old is now immediately a toddler. Mm-hmm. Oh, and how is how, she taken to this new kid? Um, it was interesting. She was really hesitant at first. Then we tried to do mm-hmm. the cute photos of her holding the baby brother and she just shoved him off immediately. Yeah, she didn't. wanted nothing. And now she like will go over and give him kisses and try oh. to give him little nuzzles. And so she, she's, she's uh, accustomed and loves it. So see, that's nice. Yeah. Well, this brings us right to our topic we're going to talk about today. It's dealing with rejection, which is what your baby son is now dealing with with his sister. <laughs> rejection. Yeah. Uh, and this is something all screenwriters have to deal with, not just aspiring writers, Phil, even people of my level and above. If there is above, is there an above? Yes. I, plenty I, think, I think it's it's something everyone is dealing with. Like rejection yeah. is like dealing with rejection is a skill set everyone needs to develop. I think for writers, we're just putting ourselves out there so much. We're bearing our souls and what we do mm-hmm. that it feels more raw and vulnerable. And I think vulnerable is very important. We've talked about that before. Yep. And that's the first point is actually the fact that you are getting rejected means you're putting yourself out there. And so good for you, for good for anybody who's getting rejected. It means they're trying, and then, which is already light years above people who are not, you know, who are not putting themselves out there. So I'm just going to share, you know, my experiences of rejection and how I deal with it. And, um, and maybe that'll help because I, I just want you to know, everyone listening, like I deal with a lot of rejection. This is the business. <laughs> I don't think of personally anymore. So I, just on, an, on, an, on a on a macro scale, you know, when my partner and I shop a pilot, maybe one out of four they buy, which means, you know, three quarters are just failures. That's just how it goes. So, you know, I don't know. I don't even take a pot. I, I don't think a person. I was like, oh, okay, they didn't buy it. Well, hopefully they'll buy the next one. Um, and, and even backing it up a little bit, you know, I hear people all the time like say, oh, it's too hard to break in. As I always say, break in as a PA because if – to get the job you want, you want to get as physically close to the job, to the person who has the job that you want, whatever that is, writer, director, producer, whatever, physically close. This is what you're doing, Phil. You are literally physically close to these people and a, a, a lot of people in that industry. And um, but people say, well, it's hard just to become a PA. And they start, yeah, you have to know someone. It's so hard. It's like, hold on. If you're complaining about how hard it is to be a production assistant, that's what PA stands for. For, you can forget about being a writer because writer is way more way harder than being a PA. I mean, so get that out of your head. Don't complain about how hard it is about being a PA. You know, that's a, it's a hurdle you can achieve. It's just hard. So, um, and also, another thing people don't even realize, and things have changed a little bit in the past. I don't know, probably fifteen or years or so. But up until then, you could make a, a professional screenwriter could make a really good living writing and getting paid to write screenplays that never, ever get on screen. 
They never get made. And maybe things are a little different now, but it's also, it's not unusual to write something and not have it made. I mean, my, we sold two movies to 20th Century Fox. Neither got made. And when they weren't, get, they didn't get made. I wasn't like, you know, I was like, yeah, I, I didn't expect it to get made. That's how, this is how the industry works. As long as I get that, that check, you know. Um, yeah. I, I was going to say, that reminds me of, like, my uncle, um, just a small town guy, just super, he's not, he's not simple, but he just, he loves his simple life, if you will. And he was telling me that one time he bought this old truck from a neighbor and mm -hmm. he went and bought it. He signed the bill of sale. He got the title. He drove it home. And the next day the car wouldn't start. And I was like, oh, did you, you got sold a lemon? Were you just so mad? And he's like, no, I bought it. It is now mine. It is no mm -hmm. longer that person's responsibility. It's not my responsibility to figure out what's wrong with it. And it's like, oh, it's just a spark plug. $6, car works just fine. That right. person, you know, it's no longer that person's problem because they sold it to me. And this is the inverse of that. Once you sold it to them, you're done. And that's something yeah. I think you helped me wrap my head around through this podcast and the conversations we have is that, hey, I have exchanged a good or a service. I now have a check. I no longer have any ownership of it. I shouldn't worry about what happens to it from there on out because I got what I got. Mm -hmm. Some people, yeah, some people, they, they've asked me questions. Well, if you sell a project and it doesn't get made and they don't get made, most don't get made, uh, can you buy it back? I'm like, why would I buy it back? You know how hard it is to sell that? I got that money, I already spent that money. I don't want to buy, I don't want to buy it back. I will come, I will create something else and work on that. Why would, buy it back, that sounds crazy. That sounds I think nuts. it's because people are so tied to their ideas. I think it yeah. speaks to maybe it's a little bit of scarcity mindset where you mm -hmm. feel like this is the best thing I have and I need this is my last shot and nothing I do will be better than this or I don't have any of anything else um, and, and that's why they're worried about that. It, it might be one of the best ideas ever, but mm -hmm. ultimately that's not your decision to make unless you want to be an indie filmmaker and then you should just go make your film. Yeah. So that's exactly right. So how then, like, I guess the next question would be like, how do I define success? If, if, if I get so much rejection, what does success look like? And to me, and to, I think anyone listening to it, I think there's a couple, you just change your criteria. To me, success is getting, getting to do what I do on a daily basis for, you know, as long as I get enough money to pay the bills, success is like, okay, so I don't have to go to another job. I don't have to drive a, a cab or whatever it is. I get to do what I do in the field that I choose. And sure, would it be great if I made $5 million? Yes, of course. But uh, the fact that I don't have to do this other job, okay, that means I'm successful. Mm -hmm. Success could also just be mean. And, and for those people who are even not at that level, what does success mean? Success could mean just writing something that moves people. Like, why is that? Why? What's wrong with that? Like, okay, so it didn't sell. Mm -hmm. Did it move someone? Isn't that what the goal? Isn't that why you're doing this is to write something from your heart that moves people and if that's not your goal then what are you doing why do you want to be a writer what is it that you want do you, do you want the parking spot that says writer on it what is you know what exactly do you want yeah and that's so, why you write your personal essays and you've, you've talked about yeah. that, right it's, it's self pure self-expression from you without anyone else having any control over mm -hmm. it it's not you're not selling it to anybody you are trying to compile it into your own book, right? I right. think we've made that public, but you are ultimately doing it because it's your personal form of self-expression. And it gives you the opportunity to do that, to move people, which is what yeah. the reviews have said of people who've attended your live events. They, they said that they've been deeply moved by it. Yeah, and that's, that. It, honestly, that is an honor. The fact, and like one thing I, 
So I just did two shows in Boston and I'm trying to convince myself that I broke even. I didn't break even, right? Because <laughs> I, I have expenses, I had to fly and all that stuff. Um, but um, but the, the, the gratification that I got, it wasn't even from like, like selling out or counting the tickets or hearing the applause. The, the gratification I got was afterwards, like meeting people in a lobby or outside and, and then getting there, just like hearing like, oh man, thank you. Like thanking me, they paid me to sit in a theater to listen to me. And yet they're still thanking me because I gave them this experience. Like that is the gratification part. That's what I take the joy in, you know? That's awesome. Kind of backing up a little bit to this and it's on the, the same subject. You said you need to redefine what success looks like, right? Yeah. Another thing that I think you've done really well, and it might've been a couple weeks ago, you put a post out on social media saying that, you know, if you are a writer and you've written, you are, you know, if you have written, you are, or you are writing, you are a writer. Yeah. And that reminded me of this blog post I went back in 2008 or 2009. It might've been on johnaugust.com, um, but he talked about, someone talked about like, what is the definition of a professional writer? Is it someone who writes every day? Is it someone who gets paid for something they have written? Is it someone who has something done that you can, you can go watch <laughs> in a theater? Mm -hmm. uh, and you are saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you are writing, you are a writer. Yeah. And yeah. What? <laughs> so that is success in and of itself. Yeah. And that is, you know, someone, uh, so I, uh, there was a post that someone made on social media that I, I saw, and uh, not on my account, and they, they, some guy accused this other guy, oh, you're just a failed actor. You're just a failed artist or whatever. It's failed something. And I was like, man, that's such a dumb thing to say. Like, you're not fail. It's if you're doing, if you're trying, you're, how is that a failure? A failure is not trying. A failure is like just giving up before you even try. Like, you're, there's no such thing as a failed artist. You're an artist. You're, you know, and think. And the and the example that I use is like Van Gogh, arguably the greatest artist of all time. You know, he died before. He, before he was known, he died, you know, in a, I think it was in a mental institution. He didn't, like, he was no one when he died. So does that mean he's a failed artist? Van Gogh, is Van Gogh a failed artist because he right. didn't make any money when he was alive? Like, that's crazy, you know? And so I think you just have to have realistic, you just have to define, not realistic, but you have to, to redefine how you see uh, success. And his success, if his time spent being creative, like, how, to me, that's the time best spent. How is that not, like, what is there better? Well, no, time spent shopping is, is more valuable. You know, time spent staring, watching TV. No, I think time spent creating, regardless of whether it gets made or shot or you get paid, that to me is, like, if you can afford that, if you have the life that can afford an hour a day or a half hour a day just doing that, that's success. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, Again, reframing that principle, this term we talk about in personal development, reframing, which is looking at your perspective through a different lens or, mm. you know, making a different story up in your head about what it means. And I might be jumping the gun here a little bit, but I, what I think you're getting to is one of the best strategies for dealing with rejection is reframing what success means. Because if I'm successful just for having finished a screenplay or a pilot that I love, and mm -hmm. I feel as representative of who I am today, not 10 years from now, or not my perfect myself, but who I am today, that's success. Passing it on to other people who ultimately don't like it or don't think it works, that might be rejection from a commercial perspective, mm -hmm. but it's all it is is a litmus test for where I am today. 
And it doesn't but, affect me. And it's like what you're saying, like, to complete a screenplay, that's a big deal. That's a lot of work. You know, I, I'm assuming you didn't write it in an afternoon. Like it's a lot, it's a big time commitment. A lot of thought went into it. And then when you finally finish it, that's a big deal. Most mm-hmm. people only talk about writing a screenplay. Yeah. You know, they talk about it, but did you, and you did it. So that's success, you know? Yeah, it's huge. Um, what else do I want to say about this? Uh, oh, there's another, it's funny. I, I had this, Years ago, when I was writing on King of the Hill, uh, uh, another writer on it, John Collier, who went on to become the showrunner of Bones many years later, John is a, is a great guy. And I remember complaining about something, uh, and I and about it was you know it was, it was jealousy, professional jealousy about something. And Collier said to me, he goes, you know, uh, there will always be someone younger than you, less talented than you, making more money than you. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was perfect. It's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You know, so, you know, compare, you know, yeah, that's just how it is. So, you know, I don't need to compare myself to that person. It's okay. So I'm, it's not, the world isn't always fair. The most talented people don't always win, you know, but that's, that doesn't mean it's not worthless. It doesn't mean you have less worth than somebody or your work right. is less, less worth, uh, worthwhile. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about just uh, what it means to be an Olympian, right? For example, Right. Mm-hmm. The, you're the best of the best of the best and the top point, like zero, 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 one percent of them get a gold medal. Does yeah. that mean being an Olympian and getting a gold, a silver or a bronze makes you a failure? Not or even all. there's so many people, especially like in women's gymnastics, who are so good that they don't even make the team because of, you know, there's only so many slots. And it's like mm-hmm. they could have easily been on the team, you know? Yeah. So. And, then, and there's stories of that happening, too. Where I think there was a, a skier from from Canada who didn't make the national team there. So he moved to Australia, became a citizen mm-hmm. in Australia and ended up winning the gold at the winter Olympics for Australia. Wow. Right. Yeah. So he was good. Yeah. It's, it, it's a statement of um, sometimes circumstance and um, bad luck or bad timing prevent you from being seeing the success in quote, air quotes that you think you deserve. Uh, but, you ultimately have the ability to change that. And I think that's something I appreciate about your message that you put out on social media and on the podcast is stop giving control to everybody else and just take control of your own. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Stop asking for permission. And I'm, I am the same way, man. There's things that I want out of my career that I'm not getting. And it says, okay, I will figure out how to do it myself because, and I practice what I preach. Am I disappointed about it? Yeah, but it is what it is. And so move forward. And to be honest, so much about success in life is just not stopping. It's not, it's just like, it's just not quitting. It's just keeping, you know, it's, it's everyone drops out. It's so hard that the fact that people drop out and stop doing it, that's good for you. That that's because as long as you're committed to not stopping, that's good. That means, you know, you're still in the game whenever the people are just dropping out because they drop out because it's frustrating and it's hard. Good. More room yeah. for me, you know, literally. Uh, yeah. your, your competition goes away. So I think I've heard people say, you know, anyone can make it in Hollywood if you're willing to, to last long enough. You just yeah. last the people around you. And we talked about this too. I think, um, you know, I look at the people that came from film school that I graduated with or I associated there. I think probably like half a dozen of those people here in Los mm-hmm. Angeles and two or three of my roommates have moved back to LA or moved back to their hometowns. Right. Because they just... They, 
they didn't want it enough want. or it was too hard. Yeah, which is fine. It's a well, good they change their priorities, right? Right. That's, and that's fair to. too. That is totally fair to change your priorities. Doesn't mean you're a loser. Doesn't mean you are a quitter. It just means, okay, now that you've gotten a little older, so other things are more important to you. Okay. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with no shame in that. Uh, it, it's just the shame is not, it's really just not trying when you had the chance. Like that's, that's, you know, because I say, I've said this and I hope I haven't said this here. I probably have because I repeat myself, but like everything comes with, a, in my opinion, everything comes with a price. Everything you do in life is either going to, you're going to either pay with sacrifice. If, you know, if you want it bad enough, you're going to sacrifice, you're going to, or it'll, you'll pay in regret if you don't try it, you know? One or the other, you're going to pay. My opinion, regret costs more than sacrifice, but that's a, that's a personal decision. So, you know, yeah. and go, for, I just say go for it. And there's so many people, but but you have to really put yourself, you know, you really have to be committed to putting a, a serious effort. Like, you know, take the time and work on your craft. If that is, you know, all these things that you can do that other people just don't do just out of laziness, you know? Mm -hmm. And so- whatever it is, like, even if it's like following my, watching my post, what post, one post that I post a day on Instagram or whatever, that's a three minute commitment. Can you commit to that? And if you can't, and th these posts are meant to help you. And if you can't commit to that, what's going on in your life? What's going yeah. on with you? You can't find three minutes, you know? Pri priority issues there, right? And yeah, look, I, I think, I think, is there a need to decompress and a need for self-care? Absolutely. Is, can you push yourself a lot further than, than you think you can? Yes. Um, each of us have our own pain thresholds and tolerances, but those things can be developed over time. And so that doesn't mean you go to the gym and you blow out and you bust your butt as hard as you can day one, and then you mm -hmm. can't lift for five days because you're just so sore. You know, it means showing up and doing the minimum effective dose. What's that little bit that you can do today to get ahead? And you right. can transition your life. Yeah, I was, I was listening to a really interesting podcast. It was an episode of the Tim Ferriss Show with a, uh, an investor named Graham Duncan. And he talked about this principle of uh, timeline horizons, which is I'm projecting out how far I'm going to get things done. And often our timeline horizons are days and weeks, not years or decades. Right. And he, he pulled up his number. And I'm going to mess up the, the number here, but you can Google it and look it up. But it says if you look, think about the seconds, right? Like the how seconds work. A million seconds is 11 mm -hmm. days. Okay. A billion seconds is like 31 years and some change. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about how rich you are in seconds and how valuable that time is, mm -hmm. the question is, where are you spending those seconds, right? right? Are you spending those seconds on social media, watching random stuff? Or are you engaging with and learning from people like you and other people who are trying to teach people and help the next um, you know, group of screenwriters to, you know, come to Hollywood and succeed? Right. Are you putting in that time working? Are you developing your story ideas? Are you breaking them? Are you educating yourself through YouTube videos, through um, taking online screenwriting courses? Are you take, reading books? Are you, you know, working mm -hmm. and building a network of people? That's all valuable stuff that is part of the job of screenwriting, not just sitting down at the computer typing in Final Draft. You have to do all of those things. And I'll say this as well. Like, let's say you don't want to, let's say you decide not to be a screenwriter and do something else. Like, just to be clear, Whatever line of work you go into, you will deal with rejection. <laughs> so it's like it's not like the Hollywood owns uh, uh, has the monopoly on rejection. So you might as well get rejected from doing something you want to do. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's you a know. Good point. Uh, that was a good, it, 
that was really interesting too because I had an experience recently in Hollywood where you know I ran into trouble with someone who was not necessarily what I would call a benevolent person. They were mm-hmm. just kind of self-interested and they tried to throw me under the bus for some things. And I remember calling you and I was like, man, it made me want to just give up and walk away. And he's like, that's because you've been working for yourself. If you've been working in any other job, you would have dealt with these people. Right. But I've been yeah. employed for so long. I don't have to deal with crappy people mm-hmm. being crappy, but they right. exist everywhere. So yeah, they're everywhere. Okay. Am I going to deal with that at a corporate gig in, in Toledo or am I going to just be in Hollywood and do what I want to do anyway and just put up with it here? It's the same, same problem. And, and this speaks also to actors. Like, you know, you want to talk about, I think it's hard for me in a writer. I, I mean, actors, they deal with rejection every day, but the smart ones, they reframe it. And so, like, the, I mean, oh, it's brutal to be an actor. And so they do, back in the day when we were doing auditions in person, it wasn't uncommon for me to go to my office and then pass literally 10 actors sitting in the hallway outside my office waiting to read for a part. And then you call them in and you audition. And, you know, nine of them are not going to get it. And one of them, only one will. And all 10 of them worked their butts off the night before preparing. Uh, then the next day they schlep across town in traffic, running from, you know, leaving their job, whatever it is, to try to get this audition. And only one out of those 10 actresses is going to get it. And so it's brutal, but the smart ones, they consider that audition as that's what, that's the goal. Uh, I get a chance to perform for three people. That's it. But I'm performing. Mm for three people. I'm not getting money, but I'm still performing for three people and just trying to impress them. And okay, so I didn't get this job. Maybe I'll get the next one, you know? Uh, As long as I impress people. Or or is your wife, Cynthia, who's a very talented actor, you know, she says, is making an impact in the room so that the casting director remembers who Mm -hmm. you are. And that's how she got a lot of her work. I get a lot of auditions and they're from um, acting or casting directors who know who I am and they, they call me in for specific parts. Because I'm a type. I'm, I'm not, you know, right. the leading man that most people think of. I, I play a type. Um, yeah. You know, on the subject of reframing, since we both brought it up, I think it might be worth exploring a little bit just for a second and helping mm-hmm. people understand what that is. Because I'm sure some people don't understand that conceptually. So what we're talking about here is there's several ways of looking at it. And you're going to come in based off of your experiences, your unique experiences in life. You're going to come at that with a story. And that story is going to say, man, I busted my butt and I'm sitting in a room with 10 people who literally look just like me. Mm -hmm. Same height, physical build, everything. Odds of me making this is one in 10. So I'm not going to get this part. And if you let that affect you, you're going to go in there and perform at a lower level than you could have otherwise. Mm -hmm. Or you could tell yourself a different story, which is the reframing, which is I get the opportunity to perform for three people. I am an actor. This is incredible. Right? Mm -hmm. Or... I get to go in and make an impression. You know, I think it's that, I don't know how true, how true it is, but it was that George Clooney story. I go into the room and I think I started seeing success when I started saying, I'm the solution to their problem mm-hmm. instead of, I want them to give me this part. Yes, exactly. Exactly. What, what can you bring to the table? We'll get to that. But I should also say, like some people say like, you know, so I, I've worked with some writers who, Maybe you make you wonder how do they how are they here? Like they're not that good. How are they in the same room? And you know, but the truth is, they're here because they didn't give up. Mm-hmm. You know, good for them. They didn't give up. Uh, so that's why they're there. 
you know, and, and, you know, maybe even if you think you have no talent, well, maybe you could be one of those people by not giving up, <laughs> you know, don't give up. That's all. Just keep at it. Hey, it's Michael Jammin. If you like my videos and you want me to email them to you for free, join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos. These are for writers, actors, creative types. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not going to spam you, and it's absolutely free. Just go to michaeljammin.com slash watchlist. Like, so, okay, so one of the things I'm, I'm creatively most just... I'm just really into now is for writing and performing uh, my one man show. I'm just into it. And, and part of me wishes, ah, man, I wish I had started this 30 years ago when I was young and really made a go out of it. Right. Cause now I'm kind of old. Uh, but the truth is I couldn't have done it then. I did. I wasn't a good enough writer back then to do it. There's no, what, you know, I just, it took, this is how long it took. It takes a long time to learn how to write. Uh, and so, you know, it is, it is what it is. You know, that's a really important note for people is, oh, yeah, you know, you've had 26, 27 years experience right mm -hmm. in Hollywood. Yeah. Years in Hollywood trying to break in before that college, lots of that time putting in effort, knowing this is what you wanted to do. And you're literally saying, I can do this job now. I couldn't do this 26 years ago. I no way. And 10 years ago, I got rejected from the creative writing program in college twice. So I wasn't good enough to get into the creative writing program. Then when I moved out here and I took a uh, writing class, uh, my, my teacher thought he was doing me a favor by saying, you know, you're not going to be a good writer, you know, to do something else. That way you'll be happier. And I, I was like, I, no, I, no one gets it to tell me what I'm going to be. You know, I'll just have to, I may, I just have to learn more. I just have to study harder and just keep at it. Um, and, and, you know, I had a, a moment, honestly, maybe, uh, maybe half a year ago, um, where I kind of just had this realization, I just finished writing one of my stories, my personal essays, and I had this moment where I kind of realized like, damn, I'm now the writer I always wanted to be when I was in college. Like that, and it took 26 years to get there, but wow. I'm there now. And it's like, you know, it takes as long as it takes, but I, I, went, I moved as fast as I could. It takes yeah. as long as it takes. Yeah. And are you willing to weather the storm, right? Yeah. And right. if you're not, then go be happy doing something else. And I, and I, I hated that advice. I heard that advice a lot. It's like, if you can be happy doing anything else, go do that. Well, I don't agree with that because I could be happy mm -hmm. with a lot of things. But at the same time, I know I would be unhappy 20 years from now sitting in a theater knowing I didn't give up everything I had to right. do this. That, right. The unhappiness. And you talked about rejection or regret earlier. And mm -hmm. this is this. There's something that people do that I think is a really powerful um, experience, which is going into retirement centers and, um, you know, assisted yeah. living and spending time with them and talking to people at that last stage of their life. Mm -hmm. And all of them talk about their regrets. I regret mm -hmm. not doing this, not chasing that dream, not going after that girl or that guy, not mm -hmm. pursuing that thing, not, not taking that vacation, not spending more time with them. It's all regret, regret, regret. And so- Right, so you, you're not gonna regret trying. You'll say, okay, it didn't work out. I didn't succeed, but you're not gonna regret having tried. Why, I mean, you wouldn't. I just had a really, you know, I had to go in and do um, ADR for the role I played on Tacoma FD, which was a really cool experience. And afterwards, we were talking. It was me and um, two of the guys who were on our post team. Uh, one of them was senior level. One of them, you know, uh, uh, coordinator level. And we were talking about writing because 
the coordinator wanted to be a writer and we were talking about scripts. And the other one was like, yeah, I went out, I came out to LA and I gave it what I had for like 10 years. And I was good enough to get meetings. And then I remember I was a reader for um, a studio and the film Phenomenon came around and I read that script and I thought, that is what I want to write. That is mm-hmm. so good. And then it clicked. I will never be that good. And that's like, that's when I realized, okay, I gave it my shot. Now let me have a career in Hollywood that I can still enjoy. Okay. And okay. that was for him his moment, you know. He's like, I but he could. I I disagree. He might have. He might have. He stuck with it. He might have written. There you go. But for him, that was his moment, and he doesn't live with regret about that. Right. Okay. Which which yeah, he could he continue to push through probably. So I did a post a couple of days ago or weeks ago. I don't remember. But um, some people think like, what are the odds of me making it? In Hollywood, you know, there's there's too many people. I'll ne- I'll never become a screenwriter. I'll never, you know, I'll never make it. But the truth is, the odds aren't as bad as you think they are. Because yes, everyone and their brother has a script that they're trying to sell, and one and dreams of you know whatever. I have an idea. Why? Yes, yeah, so many people have that. But the vast majority of those people are not serious about it. They're just not. And so it's like saying. You know, entering the New York City Marathon, where it's, I don't know, like 50,000 people enter that race, right? And she would say, oh, my God, I got to beat 50,000 people. If I want to win the marathon, I got to beat 50,000 people. No, you don't. Only a couple dozen of them have any chance, have any shot of actually winning the thing. Most of those people are just, they're running for the fun of it. They're running to say they did it. They're running to maybe beat their previous time. But only a couple of dozen have any shot of winning this thing. And they train every day. They take it seriously. They have habits. And they race and these guys, these men and women want to win the thing. So if you want to win the marathon, you don't have to be 50,000 people. You have to be two dozen people. That's it. That's it. The same thing with being a screenwriter. Most people just don't take it seriously. So you don't have to be, forget about those people. Are you taking it seriously? Are you studying? Are you working? Are you working every day? Are you working on your craft? Are you learning? Are you improving? Are you that person? Because then you might have a shot. That's another beautiful reframe right there for anyone who's keeping score, right? Yeah. Oh, look, I got to be 50,000 people. No, you need to be, be 2,000. Yeah, or less, you know. It's, it's, but it goes back to what you've always said, though. You have to treat the job. If you're going to be a professional screenwriter, you have to be a professional. You yeah. have to get up. You have to write. You have to do the daily habits that get you there. And if you're yeah. not doing that, and again, you don't have three minutes to listen to Michael Jam and give you a tip today about screenwriting. What are you doing with your life? Why are you doing this? But also, if you don't enjoy it, if you don't enjoy the sitting down and writing, if you're not getting something out of that, then why do you want to be a writer? And, you know, because you're, are you doing it for the money, for the fame? There's other ways to become famous and rich than doing that. So, and, and, and by the way, there's a lot of work that I have to do as a professional writer that I have to do for free. So if I'm not enjoying that part, like, why am I doing any of this? You know, so like, what, why, why do you want to be a screenwriter if you don't enjoy writing, you know? Yeah. I do a lot of work for free. Clout, fame, prove people wrong. Again, there's no clout. I don't walk into the supermarket and people fuck, they they throw food at me. You know, what's the clout? (laughs) No one cares. No one cares. Uh, You know, you got to do it for yourself. Yeah, I know Um, uh, reality TV stars who uh, flip houses on TV and then they can get into clubs because they have recognition. I know a lot of writers who no one knows who they are at all. Oh. No one knows. I mean, it's so funny that uh, it's so fun. There's only a handful of famous writers, really. I mean, 
I guess Quentin Tarantino. Who else? I mean, who? I mean, you can name a, a handful. Sean Sorkin. 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 Right. Um, he's probably the, he's a great example. Aaron Sorkin. But the rest of us, you never heard of. Right. You know. Uh, and but we we exist. <laughs> That's right. Um, That's right. So you had some beautiful notes here about um, rejection. Some experiences like there's this Einstein quote that I think is really oh yeah. So my my shameless Einstein behind me. I've had this thing for years, but. Um, yeah, I think that that quote's pretty beautiful, and I think that's a, a good point that would help people. He said Einstein has a famous quote. He, he said, and he was smart. We can agree on that. The most important decision you'll ever make is is the world benevolent. That's it. And this is, I mean, it's almost it's very spiritual. And you're like, Einstein said that? Yeah. And it's because if you think the world is benevolent, if you if the universe is out to give you. And, and help you, then you will see proof of that everywhere you look. If you think the world is malevolent, out to get you, then you will see proof of that. You'll see all, everything will back up that, uh, will support. It's funny, I was just watching an episode of um, uh, Guillermo del Toro's uh, Curiosity, Curio, whatever it's called, he has, a, he has a, uh, a television show about, you know, it's like an anthology series. And in this one episode, there's this one guy and he's kind of like, he's bidding on a, um, uh, one of those lockers, the storage lockers. I can't remember the actor. He's, he's a good actor. He's great. But the point is, this guy was like on the bottom of society and everything he saw was, I'm getting screwed left and right. Everything, that, that's how he, that's how he saw the world. Mm -hmm. It was just that, through that lens. And even when something good happened to him, it was, nah, the world is out to screw me. And, yeah. and, you know, and there are people who think that way. And the other hand, if you make the decision that the world is here to help me, every little thing, even when, the, even when things aren't going my way, that's just a sign of the universe giving me this little challenge to help me in a different way, you know? And if that's yeah. how you see it, you'll just be a happier person, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's a frame. You get to choose yeah. which frame, the lens through which you view the world. Mm -hmm. And that ties back to something you said earlier that reminded me of this anecdote from when I was in sales. You know, I didn't want to be a sales guy. I kind of pushed back, but it was uh, in the middle of the recession and I had to take the job. It paid way more than I was making at both other jobs I was doing. And so I was like, okay, we'll do it. And I, I sucked for like six months. Honestly, looking back, it's kind of amazing I wasn't fired, but my mm -hmm. boss believed in me and he gave me this book on sales and I read it. And in it, there's a note, like right at the beginning, it says, a sales champion has to remember that every no gets you closer to a yes. Mm-hmm. It's just an average, it's a, it's a law of averages. I know that for every 10 people I ask for the sale, one or two of them is gonna say yes. And so instead of being upset or feeling rejected because everyone shoots you down, you know, eight of 10 are gonna shoot me down, say thank you. Why? Because that person, you just save time, not wasted, it's gonna get you to the person who's gonna give you your yes faster. And so that's what this is. I mean, you're, you're just, thank you so much for that rejection. Now I'm closer. But it, it's even deeper than, even let's say you write a screenplay and it doesn't sell, but the process of writing it gives you some kind of joy or satisfaction or it helps you see the world in a different way. Or Meditation. gives you some kind of, yeah, it brings you some kind of inner peace or whatever. Isn't that, like, why isn't that wonderful, you know? Yeah. And so no, even like, point. I go back to the show that, I, that, I'm, that I'm doing, it's like, I wrote this bunch of pieces and people were really moved by that. And like, I was just so, they were grateful to me, but I was grateful to them. 
I really like the fact it just brought meaning to me that I was able to bring meaning to them like that, that I told them a story that touched them that and I say this in every the, the goal, whenever I'm writing a piece and you can't achieve it on every piece, it's just not possible. But because there has to be a different every every piece has to be a little different. But like when I'm writing, I'm always thinking, how can I get the person who read this or who watched this or see my goal is like, they just left the theater. They just saw my show. Can I get them to sit in the car for just a few seconds before they turn the ignition mm -hmm. on and just feel like, what the hell did I just see? Or what did I hear? Like, like yeah. can I get them to just stop for a second and feel it? You know, that to me is the victory. It's not, it's really not, it's nothing else. Um, and, and sometimes people like so many people afterwards said to me, Oh, we should, we turn this into a TV show. You sell it. Like, I don't know. I don't even know. That's not the goal. I swear to God, that's right. not the goal. Um, if I did sell it as a TV show, I'd make some money. I would have to make some changes and compromises that I don't really, that's not why I'm doing this. I don't want to compromise anymore. <laughs> like I, after doing this for so many years, I don't want to compromise anymore. <laughs> I just want to do something that's uh, you know, authentic to myself. You're taking the advice you give everyone that follows you on social media, hundreds of thousands I hope of people so. follow you, which is put it out there. Just, just put it out there. Yeah. Put it out there and Do see it yourself. And, and put it out there and see if you can, uh, affect people on a, you know, on some kind of emotional scale and don't think about yourself. What's in it for me? No, what's in it. For, what's in it for them? What can I give them? How can I give them an experience? You gotta serve. It's about yeah. serving them. Yeah. Um, this this ties into a principle of neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, which is just a it's a pseudo-science around psychology, but it's kind of looks at how people think about things. And there's there's one principle in that, that really stood out to me, which is when I feel love, right? Like mm -hmm. my wife tells me she loves me. What is that actually saying? Or when I tell my wife I love her, it's the inverse. When I tell my wife I love her. What I'm really saying is I love that I can love myself through you, right? I mm -hmm. feel love for myself. When my daughter comes up and says that, that, and hugs my leg when I come home, I feel love for myself. I feel I am lovable. And mm -hmm. effectively, if you think about it from this emotional passing or transition that we're talking about here, that's what I'm hearing you say is you are transitioning an emotion to these people that they mm -hmm. are unwilling to or incapable of feeling in that moment themselves. Mm -hmm. And when they come give you gratitude, it's giving you gratitude for the time, energy, and effort you put into it just as much as they're feeling for whatever it is that you triggered inside of them. Yeah. And it's, and it's a gift. If you look at it as a gift that you're yeah. giving somebody, because not everyone can write or write well, or not everyone wants to go there in the real, and it's painful to go. Some of the stories I tell, like, I can see why people, want to ignore that kind of stuff yeah uh, it, you know it's painful but um if you can give them that you're really giving them a gift and uh and that's so gratifying to give someone that experience and move them in such a way like why does there have to be a dollar sign attached to it like you know what i'm saying you don't and for anyone's listening to this you don't have to you don't have to sell your script to uh, in Hollywood for a quarter of a million dollars to be successful. Like, can't you stage something at your community theater and and get that same emotion? I mean, honestly, can't you? Why? Why? And why not? Yeah. You know, why can't you write something small and put it up on this community theater or you know, have have them stage it for you, or whatever? And as long as the writing is good, 
you can give the same number of people, you know, a small number of people, whatever, 80 people at a time, a wonderful experience. And you don't have to get paid a quarter of a million dollars. You can get paid nothing and still feel on top of the world. What's the value of impacting just one person? Yeah, yeah. Huge, right? tremendous. I mean, think about yourself. How many times have you gone through your life and someone impacted you in a way that changed, changed or transitioned your mm -hmm. day or your week or your entire life? And mm -hmm. it's probably a small one that that person doesn't even remember. That is so valuable to you. And mm -hmm. we get the luxury and opportunity to do that as riders. Yeah. And uh, Michael, I, I just want to, again, thank you for the perspective that you put out there because so many people and I'm 100% guilty of this, come at it from a, from a capitalist, money-hungry no. perspective of I want, I, want, I want significance for my peers. I want to feel special. I want to feel like I, I'm worth something in this small rock in the middle of space. And all you're saying is you can do that and you don't have to be, you don't need approval from anybody right. to do that. Yeah, you don't need exactly Hollywood. And, right, you don't have Hollywood doesn't have to give you permission. You can do it on your own. You just have to know how to. You just have to know how to do it. You have to write. You have to get good at it. So you so you can do it. That's on you. But you don't need anyone's per, uh, permission to do it. Even if it um, takes twenty six years. Yeah, there is a story. It's funny. This one of the stories that I'm telling uh, next week. Actually, my show. I have another two shows in L.A. next week. And so one of the stories. It's kind of a funny little thing. So when I was in college. My friend and I went to, uh, uh, we were walking through Neiman Marcus and there was a, you know, in the mall and there's a woman spraying cologne. And so, uh, do you want it? And so we, we both, I walked through the cloud and you know, whatever I was 19 or whatever it was. And, uh, and I said to her, I don't smell anything. Right. And it was such a dumb thing to say, like, <laughs> why am I calling her out? Right. And she said to me, Oh, that, that means you're not ready for it. And it was such a condescending thing to say. And I was fuming. And I spent the next 20 years fuming over this, like, ah. Uh, and then, you know, because it's like, how would you say that? And that became the subject of one of the pieces that I'm performing uh, next weekend, which is basically, I reframed it. I thought, well, what if I write a story where this woman who I've always thought, how dare she? What if she was right? What if I wasn't ready for it? And so that's the subject of the story. And that's just like a little moment and that I, a tiny moment from my past that I turn into a 25 minute story. Uh, and I get to do that. I get to do that because I'm a writer. But we all have this, <laughs> what I love about that is like I connected with that immediately just on the premise. Like I felt that in my, in my mm. soul and I'm sure yeah. other people listening to this did too. And it took me to this moment, like when I was a missionary, um, you're out there and you're paying your way and you don't get paid to do it. And so we would be invited into uh, homes and they would, people would feed us, uh, members of the congregation would feed us. And we went into this pretty wealthy neighborhood and it's like steak and potatoes, which is awesome. I'm on the border of, of Mexico and America and Texas. And uh, we sit down with a woman and she's like, oh, so what do you guys want to do when you get back? And at the time I was like, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to go get my MBA. And she goes, oh, that'll be good for you. You could run a subway. And, oh, <laughs> The indignation I feel still <laughs> from that comment. It's just like, who do you think I am? Like, you know, yeah. I run a subway. And, and that's why it's great to well, write about that. What I love about that is immediately I came back from my mission and I got a job as a manager of a sandwich shop. There you go. <laughs> I didn't need an MBA. MBA. I don't need an MBA. Yeah. Uh, there's just so many wonderful things. Like, 
I don't know, if you're a writer, you get to go back. And one of the, honestly, and I know I'm, I guess I'm changing the subject, but um, one of the things about the show that is so interesting to me that I get to perform to do, and again, this is not me Hollywood. This is me performing in a small theater <laughs> that yeah. could be anywhere, you know, and, I, and it is everywhere because I travel with the show. But um, one of the things that, uh, that I get to do I, it, it occurred to me, and someone brought this up during my, one of the questions, the Q&A, after you chat the Q&A, and uh, is that I get to, it's a time machine. I'm up there mm -hmm. on stage, and I'm going back through periods of my life, and I'm in it, and I'm performing it, and I'm living it as if it happened to me 20, 30, 40 years ago. And it's so powerful to be in that moment, and that's something only a writer, I guess and a writer-performer can do, is I built a freaking time machine. Yeah. You know, and so that's powerful to be able to do that. And that's, you don't know, you know, Hollywood doesn't have to pay you to do that. You can do that on your own if you know how to write. And the flip side of this conversation is if you do that and you do that well, that is the kind of thing that draws attention and will probably lead right. to Hollywood paying you to do that. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible. We'll yeah. see. It's, in, it's so interesting one of the other things is I, I what I should mention is like during this time machine when I'm performing and I'm in it, this time and some of these moments are from childhood which were painful or funny or whatever. This time I'm reliving it, but I'm not alone. I'm with a room full of people. You know, I'm not alone, and it's uh, it's a wonderful. You could feel it. You could feel. You could hear a needle drop. You could feel. Yeah. Uh, people on the edge of their seat, you can get there. And uh, like, and so what? So what if I didn't make a, a ton of money from this? So what? Isn't that great? You know? Yeah, it provides value and meaning to your life. And yeah. The world where many people struggle with that. I struggle yeah. from time to time. Uh, yeah, we all do. And I, part of the thing is I get a lot of writers because they follow me on you know social media. They come to the show and they say, man, you've inspired me. I'm like, good. Because you could do this too. Yeah. You have moments in your life. You could do it. What's stopping you? You can do it. If there's anything that summarizes my experience with you, Michael, as a mentor and a friend, it's mm -hmm. you can do this too. I think that that is a yeah. very beautiful summary of your perspective and why you put yourself out there is to help people understand you can do this too. Yeah, you can do it. It's like I, I, If I can help you just take what's inside of you and express it in a way that's engaging to other people. That's that's the hard part, right? Yeah. That's what we that's what we teach. But if you learn how to do that, then you're giving people a gift. Yeah, you know, yeah. beautiful. Michael, any other thoughts on rejection or or that's it? The beauty that's how we writing. deal with rejection. That's how, uh, that's it. It's how we deal with rejection, Phil. Is there anything Love else it. we should? Yeah. No, I, I think. I think again, really, really positive stuff. It's great to be back here and having these conversations with you. Yeah. I've truly missed um, connecting yeah. with you this way. And, and I, I hope that, I know that you've had some amazing guests on the podcast. And I think that that perspective is mm -hmm. so beautiful for writers to hear and learn and see how these people made it happen. Some of those people yeah. are some really big names that we've all looked up to for years as well, mm -hmm. um, where their stories have impacted us. And to have that opportunity to interact with them on a human level is, is pretty incredible it's um, funny because when i talk to some many of my guests i go you're saying everything that i've just said on my social and we just laugh because it's 
we all have very similar experiences about, you know, success, failure, how to make it, Hollywood, what the, what the journey is like, how to increase, increase your odds, stuff like that. So. It's beautiful. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, I think it's unifying for people like me and people like me 10 years ago or anywhere in between there who are just trying to make this happen. It's, it's a, it's a very important lesson for people to know that you can, you can do this too. Mm-hmm. Here is the, here are the mental and physical hurdles you're going to have to overcome to do that and the emotional hurdles. And if you can break through and you can be vulnerable and you can push, you can reframe what rejection means to you. You can have impact, even if it means you never become a name writer like Aaron Sorkin, but yeah. you can still have an impact, even if it's one person in your own town or one person who watches that YouTube video you put out. Yeah. And that's enough. Yeah. Enjoy the process. Awesome. All righty, everyone. We're going to work until our next podcast. What should we uh, mention, Phil? We should we yeah, mention- look, we talk about this stuff all the time. We, you have a, a free first lesson from your screenwriting course at michaeljammon.com slash free. And I think it is one of the most valuable lessons people can learn. It's literally the very first personal message you, lesson you ever taught me um, mm-hmm. years ago. You said, yeah, go grab that. That'll help for get, sure. Absolutely get that. Get on the watch list, michaeljammon.com slash watch list. You send out your top three pieces of content every week. It goes out every Friday. Yeah. Um, you have your online screenwriting course which I am your biggest fan of personally. The yeah. impact has had on my writing. And I know that that goes across the board for hundreds of people at this point. The whole thing was your idea, to be honest. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been for years. And I've told yeah. it so many times, just years. I mean, 20, 2015, I, I was pushing for you to do that. And you're like, no, yeah. I don't. It's not what I gotta, that's not what I do. And I don't have time. I'm so grateful you did. I know there are plenty of people just like me who did. So michaeljammon.com slash course. You can go check that out. Um, cannot... Oh. You know what else we can, you know, as we can plug, as I start touring with this, it's still whatever city you live in. If you want me to come to your city, go to michaeljammon.com slash upcoming, and then enter your information there. That way, when I do come, uh, when I get to your town, I'll, I'll, you know, you'll, you'll be alerted. U-P-C-O-M-I-N-G, upcoming. Up, right? Upcoming. Yeah. Upcoming. Yeah. Awesome. Um, all right, everyone. Yeah. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Michael, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you all. Until next time. Be safe. Keep writing. This has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jammon and Phil Hudson. If you'd like to support this podcast, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear today's subject. For free daily screenwriting tips, follow Michael on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Michael Jammon Writer. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Phil A. Hudson. This episode was produced by Phil Hudson and edited by Dallas Crane. Until next time. Keep writing.